Welcome to Redeemer Church. I'm Pastor Tim Frommer. It's good to see you this morning. I'd like to share with you a few words from Psalm 78, which say, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. And we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of our Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. Friends, we're here today gathered in worship to share a story that's been told so many times before, a story of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who's come to us uh, as a child, lived with us, lived in our shoes, but lived in our place, who suffered our death, to learn a lesson of faith, of what it means to live in faith in the real world. And so today, as we, we gather to worship, I invite you into this space and this place to just be at peace, to rest in the assurance that Christ did come for you, He did come to save you, and that as we sing and as we experience the Word today, to just be present to that Spirit that we invite into this place, that Spirit of God. Well, friends, we are in our fourth week of our teaching series, uh, Faith That Works. Um, we're, we're studying the book of James, and today we're going to be talking about sparking a fire, and we're going to be talking about words and, and how words impact the world around us, how words impact other people. And the phrase I was raised in, I don't know how your mother was, but um, when I came home crying from middle school, I mean, I never cried in middle school. But um, when other people around me came to my house crying for middle school, um, probably my brothers, um, because, you know, they weren't as strong as me. Um, no, when I came home crying, um, she would say something like, Tim, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words... Isn't that such a crock? Words have such power in our lives. They don't not hurt us. They literally can make and break us. Words have the power to encourage us as people and as people of faith. Uh, people of faith, they also have the power to completely destroy a life. And so we're going to talk about words and how they impact people, and not just in general, but as people of faith, how our words relate to our profession of faith. And as Christians, what it means to speak words, to praise God, and to say condemning words to other people that are made in the image of God, and how there's a dichotomy in ourselves as people of faith when we do that. Um, and so we're going to dive into that. And as I have said before, James doesn't hold a whole lot back, which is why I truly love this letter. And so we're going to talk about sparking a fire today. Um, but before we do that, we're going to sing a little bit more, but before we do that, we're going to pray together. Will you join me for a moment of prayer? Holy God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would descend on this place. It would fill this room. As we explore your word in the letter of James, Lord, we ask that you would just fill our hearts with your holy fire, that you would help to tame our tongues as we move from this place, that you would let the burdens of this week and of the days ahead just, just melt away as the snow and the rain, so that we could fully focus on you in these moments. 
that we could connect with you in a way that we haven't been able to, that being together would make a difference today. God bless this time. Let it be a holy moment. It's the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. We better get a thick skin. That's what my mentor told me when I asked him for advice um, when I decided or discerned that it was time to enter full-time ministry. I was a little confused, so I asked him why. probably shouldn't have done that. He went on to explain. He said that, Tim, people, people are not always going to like the things you have to say. Um, so you need to make sure that you are genuinely grounded in God's Word. Because God's going to challenge his people through you, and that is going to upset a lot of people. And upset people take out their frustration on the messenger. He said, he, he told me to brush up on my Old Testament prophets. A lot of people wonder why preachers preach on the Old Testament prophets so often. Um, there's a lot of value to it. He said, I'm going to be criticized. He's gonna, he said, I would be scorned. He said, I would be yelled at. A lot, because leading God's people to grow means leading people through change. And very few people change willingly. And I've often thought about those words in that conversation that we had over coffee and how accurate my mentor's words were. Because I was raised on that phrase, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words can never hurt me. And the fact remains that some words... Some words leave wounds more profound than any stick or stone could inflict. You know, a cut will heal, leaving a scar. And a scar is just a memory, you know, just that reminder. And a, and a stone thrown at you may leave a bruise or possibly even a broken bone, but that will heal. But words can leave that damage in a person's life that can last a lifetime. I think of the emotional scars that, that so many people bear from as adults, I mean, as grown adults, not just as young adults, but grown adults, that's these scars that they still bear from middle school and high school students, and that baggage that goes on into adult life. And today, with students ill-prepared for the realities of our modern world, turning to heroin and meth, and even, and even seeking retribution and violence in schools. And this is not in some far-off, distant area. This is right here in Clinton County where our students are dealing with heroin and meth addictions in middle school and high school today. And if you don't believe that's happening, you need to um, kind of open your eyes to the reality of our public school system right now and our private school system right now in Clinton County. Today's kids face things that we... Never encountered. And I say we because I never encountered it. The drug of choice in my high school was pot, which is now quasi-legal. Heroin and meth, I didn't even know what they were as a kid. I really didn't know what meth was until Breaking Bad came out on Netflix. That's how naive I am. My 10-year-old knows what meth is. And he goes to DeWitt Public Schools. But it's not just our young adults that are impacted by words. It's us too. Adults, 
we are just as impacted by words as our middle schoolers and our high schoolers are. As a business owner, if your reputation is called into question in the community here in St. John's, it can destroy your business's future. It doesn't matter if the suspicions are correct at all. It doesn't. Words impact you. If one or two customers were to start spreading around town that your, your, that your company does spotty work, people will stop doing business with you in a town like this. A rumor about your morals and ethics can cause people to stop trusting you, and you won't get the votes you need to stay on the city council or on the board. Even as a church, a few frustrated church members can sow seeds of discontent through the entire community in just a matter of days. In a week, the rumor mill can run its course, and the damage is done. Just through a couple of words. And people believe that everything's about the pastor. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. You're right. It's a big, fat, whopping lie. should never teach it to our kids. Words are one of the most powerful things that we have. Words not only hurt us, but they can make us lose our jobs. They can make us lose our reputations. We can lose our spouse. We can lose our livelihood. We can even lose our career. One of my family members didn't get a job because of some words she posted on Facebook. And what's worse, it seems that many of us struggle with a very common sickness today. It's, it's kind of a, a pandemic spreading through, through our culture. I, I, li I label it foot and mouth disease. I don't know if you know anyone with foot and mouth disease. I suffer from it. I'll admit, um, I have been searching for a prescription for foot and mouth disease. They don't have one currently, um, but it's widespread and it's common. Lucky for us, though, James does offer us some guidance on how to guide us as followers of Christ. And it all begins here in the church, in the gathering of God's people, as the body of Christ. If we can learn, as God's people, how to use our words correctly here, then we will be equipped to take that knowledge into the world. And so to do that, James says, first, that we need to make sure that we don't have too many teachers. So our first point today is too many teachers. So in the beginning of James chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Hmm. I think it's interesting. James begins his teaching on the tongue and words with an introduction about teachers. Only a few should aspire to be in the leadership role of the teacher in the church. Now, in the Greek that's translated, the Greek holds a negative imperative um, of not should become. You know, that's confusing. Not should become, which would imply a translation closer to many of you should stop becoming teachers. Okay? So a, a more literal translation of the Greek is many of you should stop becoming teachers in the church. Meaning, too many people were trying to become teachers in the church. Too many people were trying to take the authority of the teacher role of the church that James was writing to. In the first century church, 
the teacher played an important role in, their, in the church. It was a high-status position with the responsibility of passing on the sacred traditions of the church. And teachers had to not just learn the traditions, they had to learn them very accurately and transi- t- transmit them precisely. In the speech, they had to articulate it, they had to say it. Because if they couldn't, it was a failure of teaching because it was an oral tradition. So to speak poorly, to not use your words correctly, to say the wrong words, to talk incorrectly, to misquote a text had consequences because teaching was exclusively oral. So if a teacher failed to speak, um, the line of an oral tradition could be broken and judgment would fall on the teacher, not on the congregation. It wouldn't be the congregation's fault. It wouldn't be the gathering's fault. Responsibility fell on the teacher. So James gives a kind reminder that everybody sins. Hey, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone stumbles now and then. No one's perfect. Not even the teacher or the preacher. I'd recall, I'd invite you to recall Paul's words in Romans 3, for everyone is a sinner. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalties of our sins. But... We don't live in an oral tradition church anymore, do we? Thankfully. We are a highly educated people. Most of us, I would assume, can read in some form. In my family, we have a saying. We have lots of sayings. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. One of the good ones is, there are too many engineers on the floor. If you don't know what that means, let me explain. when we get together as families, we often work on projects because that's what we trometers do. Um, there's always something that has to be done. Two of my brothers are electrical engineers, and I spent 10 years of my life working in industry um, on electrical controls for environmental systems. And we all share the same giftedness of a mindset geared toward troubleshooting and problem solving. And we love to design solutions to problems. Uh, here's the issue. We all love to design problems or solutions to problem solving. And... We get this from my dad, from Pops, and who was the, was the electrical careers um, teacher at Heartlands over in Ionia for 30-plus years. What well, happens when we have a problem to, to design and when we all get together is we all have our own ideas of how to do it. Someone, might else, someone else might call this too many um, chefs in the kitchen, and it causes a conflict. The same is true for the church. Just like in the first century, so many people desired this position of teacher, leader, or pastor. They wanted the status, the authority to make that call. This is the same in the church because so many people want to be able to say, this is what we're going to do. This is what I want to do. They want the power or they want to be viewed as better as others because of ego it comes into play. But they forget that the weight of responsibility comes back to that person. That if there is an error of judgment, an error of decision-making, it falls on that person. Some want to dictate how the church should run, to be charged with its operations, its decisions, to say who should do what, where they should go, and how everything should be. Some want to steer the ship, moving the rudder as the wind blows and the sails, but the responsibility falls on the hand on the wheel for everyone on board the ship in God's eyes. 
So if there are too many teachers in the classroom, no one can learn anything. If there are too many engineers on the plant floor, the line will never start up. And if there are too many chefs in the kitchen, the meal will never be served. And so James continues. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great fire on a, fo- a great fire on fo- a forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can be set, it can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. So our second point today is with great power comes great potential. The tongue has great potential. The only issue is that the potential that it has is a potential for positive impact and it also has a potential for negative impact. It's kind of like that old philosophical question or debate of the brick. Is the brick good or evil? Or the hammer, is the hammer good or evil? Well, it's neither. It all depends on what you do with it. You know, a brick can be used to build a hospital or it can be thrown, thrown through a stained glass window. The brick itself is inherent, not inherently good nor evil. It, what matters is the condition of the heart of the person who wields it. The same can be said for the tongue. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament develops this dichotomy very well. Um, if you've never done so, I, I encourage you to read through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so you can read one a day. And um, it's got, it has wonderful and amazing wisdom about everyday life that's very easy to apply and to understand. And and I like to read, um, this is the focused life. There's a lot of different versions of this, but this is a psalm and proverb reader, and it's broken down into 31 days, so you can read all of the psalms and proverbs between each day of the month. But if you just read, pick up the book of Psalms, on the first day of the month, you read the first proverb, sorry, book of Proverbs. First day of the month, read the first proverb. Second day of the month, second proverb. Give it a try. We all know that positive reinforcement is crucial to an individual's development. No one will will reach their fullest potential if they are always criticized. So let's look at for a minute at the power of positive speech from a biblical perspective as found in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 11a says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. When down in the lowest moments of our life, a kind and hopeful word can restore a broken and lost soul. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer deflects anger. A gentle anger or a gentle answer deflects anger. Amid Amidst anger and fighting and rage, a soft word spoken in love and kindness can divert the turmoil that we face so that love can show through in our life, into a life. Proverbs 15.22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. 
Many times we know this. When we are faced with a crucial decision in life, we go to people for advice. Words spoken out of love feed our souls and nourish our hearts in a, in a world that seems to be consuming our joy at every opportunity that it can. See, our words have the power to direct and redirect people's lives. And that's a lot of power to wield in this tiny little thing that we call the tongue. And as Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, with great power comes great potential. He said responsibility in, in the movie, but, but potential. This little thing come the, called the tongue has so much potential, potential for positive impact that it can bring into the world with our words. But the other side of that coin is that it has the potential just as much potential to destroy a life as it does to build a life because of the negative potential it holds. So let's look at that negative side for a minute because Proverbs sits on that too. James says that a tongue is like a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. And when I say that, all I can think about though is, I don't know if you remember this, only you can prevent forest fire. Do you guys remember Smokey the Bear? I remember Smokey the Bear. Here's the reality of the tongue. The spark of our words can erupt into a flame faster than we would ever expect it to. So let's go back to Proverbs for just a moment. Proverbs 15.1b says, Harsh words make tempers flare. True or false? True. Harsh words make tempers flare. It's like gasoline thrown onto an already burning flame. Abrasive words can only make a bad situation worse. If you are fighting with someone and you start adding harsh words to the situation, it don't get no better, folks. I'm willing to bet that we can all personally attest to that. We've all lived through that bad situation with where we've come into contact and a foot-and-mouth disease. Proverbs 15.2b, the mouth of a fool bleaches out Foolishness, or belches out foolishness, sorry. Blech. We all know those people. I won't claim it's you, but you know somebody. Jesus said that what comes out of the mouth is what comes from the heart. Therefore, destructive words come from a de devastated heart. And while actions may speak louder than words, our words indicate what our motives lie. Proverbs 15.4b says, A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Where kind words can bring life to a person, lies and deceit can destroy a life. What amazes me is the speed in which this happens. We can say something, we can write it down, we can email it, we can text it to someone, and in seconds, within mere seconds, it's hit the fan. And this is the danger. This is the evil that James spoke of. It's like that tiny spark that sets a forest ablaze. It sparks so quickly that it infects everything else. And it's not just in our lives, but it's in the church as well. How quickly that flame spreads. I found this video on YouTube, and I thought it was a pretty good illustration. Check this out real quick.
I had never seen 6,000 matches set on fire before, so I thought that was pretty interesting. But that is kind of how I see a match or a spark starting a fire. James goes on to say, sometimes it, it being our tongue, it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and curses come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So our third point and final point this morning is that praising God and cursing people. Praising God and cursing people. James brings us now to a profound theological issue being made, and that is the image of God, the imago dei, and how our words impact that. And this stretches all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1.27, where it states, So God created human beings. In his own image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The image of God is our, is our created righteousness, as, as, as Wesley would have said. We still hold a part of it and strive toward it as restoring it as a part of our growth and our faith in Christ. And we, we call that process in the church sanctification. But James is pretty open with his concern that we as people of faith, as followers of Christ, as, will not be able to see the image of God restored within us while living a duplicity in our speech. He says, how can we call ourselves lovers of God, followers of Christ, indwellers of the Holy Spirit, while we spew out condemning, hateful, vengeful, demeaning, and destructive words to people that also bear the image of God in this world? If we bear the image of God, then everyone else in the world does too. James says that we can't have both. You can't do both things. You can't praise God and live into the image of God while cursing other people out of the same redeemed mouth. God even condemned this kind of behavior in the Psalms. Back in the Old Testament, he said, for instance, in Psalm 62.4, he says, They planned to topple me from my high positions. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. See, we can't praise God and demean his creation that bears the same likeness. Instead, we must use our words to build each other up. Now, I know that may, this may sound silly and it may sound old school, but another thing my, my mom, or maybe your mom, or, or whoever's mom or dad used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And I know, I know what you're going to say, but Tim... You're still thinking it. Because that's what I said. I still don't like them. Because I always talk back to my mom. I don't know about you, but it's just kind of got foot and mouth disease. I, I, I always suffered from it. And that may be true. But if you say it, you've sparked the flame. If you say it, you've sparked the flame. And once the fire is lit, there is no way to stop the damage that it causes. 
We can all work through the thoughts and the internal struggles that we have to deal with, with the relationships that we have in our life. Right? I'm still struggling with this person. There's some things I'd really like to say to them, but I'm not going to. As we learn how to grow in our faith in Christ, that which we think but do not say can be addressed. Through prayer, through searching the scriptures, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, through professional counseling if we need it. But if we say it, what we say out loud can never be unsaid. True or false? Have you ever said something that you wished you never would have said? In the heat of emotion. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive words or foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So here's my challenge to you. Here's what I want you to do starting right now. I challenge you to only speak positive words to others. Offer encouragement only. If it's negative in any way, shape, or form, keep it to yourself. I challenge you to go the rest of today, the rest of the day, without criticizing, complaining, or speaking negatively in any way to anyone, even your significant other, no matter what they do or don't do. Use only words to build up people. That's vocally, that's written form, that's text messaging, that's Facebook. That's reposting or retweeting as well. In any form of communication, only words of encouragement, as Paul says. For the rest of today. One day. Okay. Now, for those of you who failed to complete this task, those of you who just leaned over to someone and already have failed, you're not off the hook. I expect you to try again tomorrow. And if you fail tomorrow, I expect you to try again the next day. I want you to keep trying until you can go an entire day encouraging only. Keep trying until you can speak positively, encouraging for an entire day. Now, for those of you who complete this task today, because many of you are natural encouragers, and you're very positive, and you, and you encourage people naturally in your life, the challenge is a little different. I challenge you to go a week, an entire week, of only encouraging other people. And if you fail this week, I want you to try next week. And then try again. Keep trying until you get it. We must all keep trying until all of our words only encourage those who hear them. Do you realize, do you realize how radically transformed this faith community and the community of St. John's would become if just us, if we, if we could do that. 
if it started with us here, no one else, just us right here, if we could do that, how different this place and this community would be, how much power we hold with just us. Everyone is two or three steps removed from everyone else. If we as the body of Christ would become the encouragers that God has called us to be, this community, St. John's, would never be the same again. The culture of St. John's would never be the same again. Could we become the catalyst, that spark, not to set the forest on fire, but that spark for encouragement that would start a fire of God's love in this community and build that kingdom that God has called us to so that we would truly see His kingdom come and His will be done in this place and in this time. Could we do that? Or could you do that? Gracious God, I ask that you would let your Holy Spirit fall upon us as we give our voices and our words to you. Let our words be chosen well and be used to build up those who we come in contact with today and in the days to come. As we find ourselves tempted to condemn others with our words, Lord, give us the strength to at least remain silent and at the most beg forgiveness for our sinful hearts. But in all this, to encourage others and to represent your love and your grace in this world each day. Guide safely to your intended homes. In the name of Jesus the Christ, your Son and our Savior, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.